Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Let's give him praise. Let's give him honor. Let's worship him. That's who he is. You can grab a seat here at Sugarloaf, 12 Stone Home, across our campuses. Man, welcome to 12 Stone. Y'all awake this morning? Y'all good? 17 of you are. Hopefully the campuses are more awake than y'all are. I know 12 Stone Home's awake. Man, I'm so glad to be with you this weekend. I think you're going to be really glad you made this a part of your weekend. Now, before we start, let me just, it's not in the notes, let me just tell you a story. Uh, you might hear my voice is a little bit raspy. Let me tell you why. Uh, so last night, I did a wedding for some family friends, Olivia and Cooper. It was awesome. Problem was, I, I drove all the way up into Commerce where the wedding was, and I got out of my truck, and it was like pollen punched me in the face. Like as soon as I, any, any allergy folks here across our campuses, why are you cheering? It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, my life's terrible. So I got out, and I, I told the wedding coordinator, man, the allergies. She said, oh yeah, we got different pollen up here. It's crazy. So then I get to the ceremony, and there's like 300 people. It's huge. And I got my mic pack on, and I'm going, thank God for a mic. Well, I start talking, and the mic starts going out. And eventually, the guy just goes, I got nothing. The sound guy in the back's like, I got nothing. So I turned the mic off. And so for 30 minutes, I shouted at 300 people, do you take this woman to be? It's not very romantic when you're shouting. So if you hear a little, little rasp, that's what's going on today. But here, here's, what we're, here's what we're doing today. We're sitting inside of a series where we're talking about the truths that are unchanging. In a world where it feels like truth goes left and then right, and one time this is right and this is wrong, and now something completely different right and wrong, and you go, how do you build a life inside of this? What do you build your life on when you don't know what truth is going to look like every 12, 24, 36 months? Well, we're exploring the truths that are unchanging, that no matter what happens in culture, no matter what happens around us, there are truths we can grab a hold of that will never change. And that's what we're walking through. And we're using the Nicene Creed, a creed that was written by the early church in about 325 AD. And they, they sort of took all of scripture, all these thousands of words and boiled it down to say, here are the handful of things that are absolute big T truth that will never change. So we're sitting inside the series. If you were here last weekend, Pastor Kevin taught uh, uh, the, the first week sort of on the Holy Spirit. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Trinity. In fact, there's a picture we've used for several weeks where we've got God is, is one, but he's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today, we're going to zone in right there in the bottom corner on the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, here's what the creed says that we're going to be sort of basing the teaching off of today. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the uncreated and the perfect, who spoke through the law. He existed back in the Old Testament, the prophets and gospels. He, he wrote scripture. He inspired scripture. Who came down upon the Jordan. Remember when the Jordan parted? The power of the Holy Spirit preached through the apostles and lived in the saints. See, today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And when I say the Holy Spirit, we sort of fall into camps. Maybe you grew up in sort of a traditional church that was sort of very rigorous and scheduled. And you go, the Holy Spirit, now that's like, that's the wild stuff. Maybe you grew up in a church where like you saw some stuff. 
And when, when I say the Holy Spirit, you're like, rut row, I didn't know this was one of those churches. Like we can start running around doing that. Listen, let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is not weird. But here's the problem. You've met people who talk about the Holy Spirit and they're weird. <laughs> let, me, let me just say, they would be weird without the Holy Spirit, okay? In fact, there's a poll that says one in three people are just plain weird. So look to your left and your right. They look normal. You know the answer. You're the weird one. See, listen, the Holy Spirit is not some weird thing that you're like, I don't know what to do with this. The Holy Spirit is so much more, but it's, it's complicated. Let's embrace sort of the tension of this. You see, if I say God the Father, I have a picture for that. God's on the throne. He's judge. He's father on the throne. Like I can get a picture of that. When I say the person of Jesus, I can close my eyes and you can see your grandma's picture of Jesus on the wall. Like you have a picture for that. When I say the Holy Spirit, you go, I don't have a personal image for that. In fact, I want to test it. Everyone close your eyes here, cross the campuses. I'm going to tell you, when I say God, the father, what picture comes to your mind? Go ahead and get a picture. All right, now look up. Does it look something like this in your head? Is that about right? Something like that. You got the flowing white hair. By the way, he was like into beers before they were cool. Like he, he's the original. All right, now close your eyes again. When I say the person of Jesus, get a picture in your head. What does Jesus look like? Does it look a little bit like this? Is that about right? Now, by the way, that's not what Jesus would have looked like. Like he was in the Middle East, his skin would have been olive color. His eyes would not have been blue. They'd have probably been brown or green. Like that's not what Jesus would look like. And I can tell you, my Jesus doesn't wear lipstick. I can tell you that right now. Now, when I tell you, close your eyes, get a picture, close your eyes again. What does the person of the Holy Spirit look like? Can I be honest? I don't know. That's why this can be challenging. Like, what does the person of the Holy Spirit look like? I don't really know. I know in Isaiah, the Holy Spirit is depicted as fire. In Acts, it's depicted as fire and water. In John 7, the Holy Spirit is depicted as water. It sounds a little bit like Captain Planet, fire, wind, water. Any 90s kids? See, the Holy, don't cheer for Captain Planet. I was allowed to watch that because it was like, I don't understand witchcraft. I don't know. Here's the reality. It's hard to put a picture to the Holy Spirit because Scripture doesn't give us the personal picture of what he looks like. God the Father, check. Jesus the Son, check. Holy Spirit, question mark. But listen, the Holy Spirit might be the hardest of the, the Godhead to personify, but he is the most tangible and he is most personal. This is a life-changing teaching if you get a hold of it. I want you to leave today understanding the Holy Spirit is the most tangible, the most present, the most personal. He's as close as your breath. And oftentimes we don't know what to do with it because we can't get a picture. And I want us to leave today understanding who is the Holy Spirit? So we got to do a little bit of biblical theological work, and then I want to get to some practical places that I want to invite you into. But there's two questions we're asking. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? Here's the first one. Who is the Holy Spirit? Three things. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. Not a person like you and I, but he is personal. He is, he is a, he's not a something. He's a someone. He's not an 
it. He's a person. He's not just a ghost, a force, or an idea. He's a person, meaning he's a personal being, not an impersonal thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. Every pronoun in the Greek where it writes about the Holy Spirit uses a personal pronoun, not an objective or it pronoun. It's clear the Holy Spirit is a person. This is important because if you don't see him as a person, you will not engage him personally. And that's the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he is God. He is not just the third. He's not just a, a little leg off to the side of God. He is God, just like Jesus and the Father is God. The Holy Spirit is God, not lesser, not greater, equal, but distinct. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a creation of God. He's not an afterthought of God. He is God. And PK taught the Trinity several weeks ago. Maybe you want to jump into that teaching. I can't solve all of that. But for today, what you need to know is everything God is, the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. The Holy Spirit is God. And thirdly, here's the best news. He is in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. At the moment of your salvation, he took up residence inside of you. This is the best news you've ever heard in your life. The God of the universe took up residence inside of you, and he's transforming you from the inside out. In fact, last weekend, Pastor Kevin talked about that we are a container of the Holy Spirit. And he used this passage of scripture right here, if you remember it from last week. Here's what it says. Do you know, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? See, he said, you're a container for the Holy Spirit. We're going to build on that thought today. See, if you're following along with this creed series, this unchanging truth series, you're watching the creed take us from this massive picture of God more and more intimate. We started with God as creator. He created everything. And then we moved into that God is a triune God. We taught the Trinity. And then we said that God stepped into humanity and took on human flesh in the person of Jesus. We taught that God is judge. And now it gets another layer more personal and intimate because now God is in you. It gets better and better. See, if, if you don't understand this, here's what Jesus actually said about the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going to go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Imagine being the disciples and Jesus is like, listen, I know I've been with you for three years. I'm going to peace out, but it's good news. They're going, what, what can be better than God in the flesh? Only one thing, God in you. Like, like, Nothing, can, we can't fathom something better than Jesus. I could touch him right here. In fact, there is, God is in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, God took up residence in you. And today's teaching is not academic. Please don't hear anything I say today is like, I want to just make you smarter. I want you to touch the kingdom of heaven today. I want you to experience the Holy Spirit today. My prayer all week then God, just let me say just enough words to get out of the way. If our church would just taste and see, the Holy Spirit is as close as your heartbeat. The God of the universe took up residence right here. Who is the Holy Spirit? That's who he is. 
But the second question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? So there's names throughout scripture of, for the Holy Spirit. It talks about he's, he's our helper, our wonderful counselor, our comforter, our guide, our teacher. See, throughout scripture, John 14 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. That's Jesus saying the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. Continues, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. In the moments where you're overwhelmed and you don't even know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes talking to the Father for you. Another one. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Holy Spirit brings freedom to your life. The places you used to be shackled and chained and enslaved and addicted, he wants to bring freedom. The Holy Spirit, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. He's a hope dealer. The Holy Spirit is so many things. But what does the Holy Spirit do? If I was to sum it up, the Holy Spirit wants to make you more like Jesus. He wants to make you more like Jesus. And how does he do it? He does it primarily in two ways. He wants to clean you up and he wants to fill you up. The Holy Spirit wants to clean you up and he wants to fill you up. And I want to break those two things down. See, the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do, he wants to clean you up. See, we always say around here, you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. Once you come to Jesus, he'll clean you up. This is what we're talking about. You can't earn your way to God by getting better and doing good things and working harder and donating to charity and doing your prayers. Like that, That's not how you get to God. You come filthy and empty to God, and then God cleans you up and fills you up. That's what he does. But the first thing, the order matters. The first thing the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer is he cleans you up. And the word I would attach to that is conviction. In fact, here's what scripture says in John 16. Jesus said, and when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is convince you of your need for Jesus, your need for a savior. And the Holy Spirit, when you say yes to Jesus, when you bow your life, the Holy Spirit takes up residency inside of you, and he becomes your holy lane assist, if you will. How many of you have a car with lane assist? I'm curious. Like when you start drifting, the car literally steers you back in the road. The first time I drove a car with lane assist, I thought I was going crazy. I had no idea that it was in, in the car, and I'm, I'm trying to change lanes, and it's fighting me. I'm like, what's good? The car's possessed in the name of Jesus. Like I was terrified. And then I got so used to it because I could like, my, I, my mind's always spinning. And so I'll be driving and Waze will tell me, police reported ahead, I know to slow down. Thank you, Waze. Or I get off this exit. And I just, I, I almost go brain dead. I'm just thinking. And so I don't have to pay as much attention because my, my car would like, if I start drifting, it just bring me back. And then I had a rental car that did not have lane assist. And I literally didn't even think about it. I got so used to it that I'm driving and suddenly I'm like, why is the dotted line straddling the car? I'm driving between two lanes. Like I'm going to kill myself. I got so used to it. See what the Holy Spirit does is he's, he's, if you don't have lane assist, he's the, he's the rumble strips. When you're driving that horrific noise, when you're trying to drive through the night and you hear the gut and you wake up fast, that feeling and your heart's coming out. Like the Holy Spirit is bringing you into alignment with the things of God. 
See, God knew living the Christian life was impossible on your own. So much so that he, he put his spirit inside of you to bring correction and guidance into your life. The first thing he wants to do is to align your life with the things of the kingdom of heaven. He wants to actually convict us to be more like Jesus. And he's not doing this to make you feel bad about yourself. He's not doing this because he wants to make you feel ashamed. He's doing this because he knows that if you keep driving over the lines, eventually your life's going to crash. And God gave you the Holy Spirit so you won't crash your marriage, your character, or your kids, or your finances, your private world stuff. The Holy Spirit is that voice that whispers, don't do that. Or the voice that encourages, oh, well done, your father's proud. He's that small voice. If you're a believer, you know that voice but there's this battle raging. In fact, Galatians 5 puts it like this, inside of us. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict. Here across the campuses, everyone say conflict. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. There's this battle raging. If I was cheesy and like cartoons, it's like the little angel on this side, the little devil on this side, you know, the cheesy cartoons. But there's this battle of your old life before Jesus and your new life after Jesus. And our appetites don't just immediately change. And there's this battle raging inside of us. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit, because his voice speaks louder than your old life. He goes, you don't want to be that person anymore. That's not who you want to be. The Holy Spirit convicts us to bring us into alignment to the things of God. You see, when I was talking to my youngest, Lincoln, probably three years ago now, and Lincoln was five, six years old, and we live in a neighborhood, and the road in front of our house is like people drive crazy, like fast and crazy. So I, I brought him out to the road, and I said, son, this is the road. This is where cars live. If you are where cars live, what's going to happen? He's like, Daddy, I'm going to get flattened. I was like, yes, you will get flattened. We'll all cry. It's a bad day. So here's the deal. There's the road. There's the curb. There's grass. Then there's sidewalk. I don't want you to get anywhere close to the road. So I want you to stand on the sidewalk and never go any closer to the road. You got it? Got it, Daddy. So I go back inside, and I watch my son personify temptation and sin in a way I've never seen it. So he's on the sidewalk. This is what he does. What does that look mean? He's about to mess up. This is what he does first. He puts a foot in the grass and goes, I didn't get run over. Second foot in the grass. Checks back again. I'm good. Foot on the curb. I'm okay. I don't feel any pain. No cars are running me over curb. I'm inside looking at him going, we just talked about this, bro. Then I see him take the last step, foot in the road. At that point, doors open. I'm running out. He hears it and goes, I was on the sidewalk. I was on the, no, you weren't. Here's the difference. The Holy Spirit never would go back in the house. Like God didn't just tell you, don't go in the road. And then he goes and looks from a window and watches you get run over. He goes, no, I'm in you the whole time. I'm the voice saying, if you step into that, your life will be crushed. He's going, I want to bring you into, the, into alignment with the things of God. I want to make you more like Jesus. And here's the good news, the Holy Spirit. See, when I say 
the Holy Spirit wants to clean you up. Here's what I mean. Remember last week, Pastor Kevin talked about we are containers for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, what he does is he takes who you were and he starts to clean you up. The places where you've got sin and shame and you've got old appetites and old addictions, he, he starts to clean up your life. But if you hear me and you miss the second part of this, you're missing the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just clean the outside of the glass and make you look clean and religious and you present really well. He gets into the inside of your life and he starts cleaning you up from the inside out. So it's not just you look good, but he cleans you up from the inside and actually changes your heart. He changes the desires you used to have. He changes your appetites. This is not a religious pursuit like the Pharisees where I want to look really clean and polished, but inside I would never drink from that glass. The Holy Spirit says, I want to take you from the inside out and I want to clean the places out of you that were broken, that were gross, that were a mess, that were sinful. He wants to clean you up. The first thing the Holy Spirit does is he begins to clean you up. And this is great news because you have no ability to clean yourself up. If you've not watched the news recently, if you've not been on social media recently, if you've not been in human contact recently, then maybe you don't get this. Everybody else, our world has no ability to clean itself up. The world feels like it's on fire right now. <laughs> and if we had the ability to fix ourselves, we would. But the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do in the life of a believer is to clean you up. And listen, if you're not right here, the rest of the teaching, don't, don't you have to listen. Because this is the first objective of the Holy Spirit. But our culture is so tricky. Because we're taught that if you feel it, it is right. And so I'm saying the Holy Spirit's that small voice that just whispers and says, no, don't step in the road. Oh, no, don't do that. And our culture says, listen, if you feel it, that is God confirming you should do it. That is a dangerous truth to buy into. That is so dangerous to think if, if my emotions point me to it, it must be God. Oh, that is so dangerous. Listen, I've had people say this. I'm in a miserable marriage, but God brought me someone new. Thank you, God. No, he didn't. The Holy Spirit, he is holy, which means he never contradicts God's word. And he is spirit, meaning he communicates to your spirit. He is in you. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the things of Scripture. So anything that you think the Holy Spirit's asking you to do that contradicts the Word of God, I can assure you that is not the Holy Spirit. He is the author of the Bible. He'll never contradict the truth God gives us. But the danger of our culture is that we slowly start to buy it. That if I feel it, then it is God confirming this decision. Listen, the reason God gave us the Holy Spirit is to help us figure this out. Proverbs 14, 12 gives us some wisdom. Here's the truth. There is a way that appears right to man, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that can feel right, that can appear right, but the Holy Spirit's in you going, no. That's not what God's word says. That's not right. It will lead to death and destruction. The first thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is to clean you up. The second thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to fill you up. If I was to attach a word to that, it would be the word power. The Holy Spirit wants to bring you his power and fill your life up. In fact, here's what it says in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
Everybody say power. One, two, three. Power. You will receive power. See, when I read that verse, I'm like, man, I want the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of things we can unpack. Don't have time. But here's what, I, here's what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to fill you up with. And that's the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to have a moment of honesty. For the longest time in my life, the fruit of the Spirit felt super soft. Like it didn't feel like a compelling teeth sort of a thought. I get, so here's what I give the Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace. Ooh, patience, self-control. Like it felt, it didn't feel helpful. It felt soft. It felt like that's the best you got. Why not like flying and see through buildings with x-ray vision? Like that's super cool. I've seen Avengers. I want that stuff. You're going to give me love, joy, peace. Like I could sleep to that. The longer I have lived, particularly in the last 18 months, the more that love, joy, peace, those things started to, to get teeth for me. Can I be honest? The fruit of the Spirit started to get teeth for me over these last 12 to 18 months. Here's, here's what Galatians says. Here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Here's what they're saying. When your life is rooted in Christ, if you're a tree, your life is rooted in Christ, the fruit that will grow from that relationship is those things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's the manifestation. That's the outflowing of when the Holy Spirit fills you up. That's what happens. And listen, you might not believe this, but this is the life you want. How do I know that? Because it's the life you want everyone else to live. It's the life you beg for your kids to live. It's the things you want to teach your kids and you oftentimes feel incapable of it. Just love each other. Does that fix anything? No. But what does the Holy Spirit do? I want you to see this. Here's, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He wants to fill you up and he wants to pour out love. You go, love? No, 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 no. He wants to pour out love that you would understand that your identity is in God. And you are so dearly loved by your father that you are free from having to, having to perform for other people and have to look for the approval in other people. Think about if your kids could get this. It doesn't matter what the people start chirping about around you. You are so loved and valued by God that you are free to love other people. And he wants to pour love. He wants to pour joy in your life. And you go, joy, what's the big deal with joy? He wants to pour out joy that's, that's wholly disconnected from the pressures of the world. Meaning that when you're under pressure and things are tough, you still have this, this unfettered joy that's only fettered to the person of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you go, listen, doesn't matter what's happening around me, I have a joy. It doesn't mean that God's going to spare all the tough things about this fallen world, but it means you can be in them and still have a joy. You can have a peace that the Holy Spirit wants to pour into your life, he wants to pour peace into your life, a peace that's not connected to you winning or losing and up and down. He doesn't, you don't have to have everything perfectly aligned in order to be at peace as a person. I never thought peace was a value until I lacked it. When you lack peace, you crave it. And the Holy Spirit wants to pour that into your life. He wants to pour out peace, love, joy, peace, patience. Oh, he wants to pour out the ability to wait. 
the ability to put distance between action and reward. He wants to give you patience to wait for the right time. I want a million dollar house on a $30,000 salary. I think the bank will give it to me. You, you, you want it now and God goes, no, I want to give you the gift of patience, the ability to put things in the right order. I want to, I want sexual gratification before marriage. And the Holy Spirit wants to pour out in you and say, I can give you the power to have patience. And he wants to pour in kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the ability to love people and treat people like God wants to treat you. See, we used to have kindness as sort of a standard in this nation. And now suddenly our neighbors are our enemy. And the Holy Spirit goes, I want to empower you to kindness and goodness. Think about if the Holy Spirit would pour out goodness into your life. That you have the ability to see what's good from what's bad so quickly. And to live into goodness gentleness. If kindness is, is, is the way you treat people, gentleness is the disposition you have with them. You can, you can deal with people with a tender hand. And then self-control. He wants to pour out self-control where you have the ability to tell yourself no. You don't have to live impulse to impulse, to impulse, to impulse. I want that. I got that. I want that. I got that. I want that. You don't have to live inside of the impulse-driven life where it's just one craving and one appetite to the next appetite to the next appetite. The Holy Spirit wants to pour into you and say, listen, I can give you power over your appetites and your impulses. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to pour into you. What a gift from the God of heaven. He wants to pour these things into you because you are not love, joy, peace, patience, but God is. You can't accomplish those things on your own, but God can. And as you surrender to him, this becomes more and more true of your life. This is what the Holy Spirit does. See, before Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, we were on our own and failing miserably. And then God sent the Holy Spirit and says, listen, there's a better way. And if we're honest, can we just, just be blunt honest? Many of us might say, that's not the life I'm experiencing. Like what you just described, love, joy, peace, pain, like that's not what I'm experiencing. And I want to be really clear how I say this. Let me tell you potentially why. Because maybe every time you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bring that into your life, he brings up a sin that he wants to handle and you create distance from God because you're sick of talking about it and sin defines your relationship with God instead of what I just described. See, the Holy Spirit will fill whatever you give to him. I want you to see this picture. See, Ephesians 4.30 says it this way. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. See, your will will not change the will of God, but it will change the work of God in you. And yes, God could overpower you and turn you into a robot and you just bleep, blorp, I serve God perfectly. No, he gave us free will. And so you get to decide what you what space you give God to fill. I want you to see this. An analogy always breaks down, but I want you to see this. 
the Holy Spirit is free to pour in to this life. But here's what it looks like to grieve the Holy Spirit. It's so simple that you could go yawn, whatever. It's profound. All you have to do to grieve the Holy Spirit is put the coaster on top of the glass. The Holy Spirit goes, man, I want to deal with this sin. And you go, nah, I'm good. I'm sort of comfortable with that one. Or the Holy Spirit says, man, God's not first in this area of your life. I want to deal with that. And you just put that coaster on. The second you put that coaster on and the Holy Spirit, listen, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, when you, when you resist the prompts of him cleaning you up, he doesn't stop pouring. You just stop being filled. There's no milk going into this glass. Has he stopped pouring? No. What happened? You stopped being filled because you have blocked the Holy Spirit's power from filling your life because I, I'm okay with you having that space, God. That space is mine. You see it? The Holy Spirit will fill whatever space you give him to fill. But if, but if you say, you know what? I want to keep you at an arm's length in that area. The Holy Spirit won't fill it. See, the scary thing about the Holy Spirit is both extremes. The scary thing is if you knew how much he would pour into your life if you let him, it would blow your mind. And equally, if you knew how the Holy Spirit would not manhandle you and turn you into a robot, he will allow you to live as empty as you choose to live. Whatever you want to put your stake in and say, this is mine, God, that's yours. He'll allow it. But you will live a life so far beneath the life that Jesus envisioned his followers to live. Church, if you will allow him to clean you up, he will fill you up to the brim, to the point where your life is overflowing and you're pouring into other people's lives. That's the ultimate goal. The Holy Spirit will not manhandle you. He will whisper in your life, oh, son, you're drifting. Daughter, you're drifting. Correct that. Oh, you're drifting this way. Correct that. And to the degree that you stay current and attentive to his Holy Spirit is the, is the degree that he will pour out. See, maybe a year and a half ago, this new ice cream shop opened up near our house. It was like one of those new boutique places that cost way more money. And we're used to like the McDonald's, whatever the machine's not broken, ice cream. And that's where we take our family. It's like a buck nine. And it's like, all right, the whole family ate as much ice cream as until they could get sick. That's what we normally do. Well, Amber and I saw this new place. We're like, we want to surprise the kids and take them to this new ice cream shop, this boutique place. Yes, it's going to be $3,000, but it's going to be super cool. They roll the ice cream up and all the stuff, and it's cool. So all weekend long, we're looking for an excuse to be able to take the kids there. The problem was they were just being, they were jerks that whole weekend. They were fighting with each other, and they were disrespectful. And every time we were like, let's take them tonight, they're just being punks to each other. And it's like, we're looking for an excuse to take them to this awesome place that they would love, but they kept disqualifying themselves over and over and over again. And yes, I could have still said, listen, kids, we're going to force you to this new ice cream place, but it would go against our very nature as parents. If you could see what the Holy Spirit wants to fill your life up with. See, many of our views of God are like this distant, I want to condemn you. In fact, it's the opposite. He's on the edge of his seat saying, oh, I would fill you. Whatever you'd give me, I'd fill you. Oh, if you just listen to my Holy Spirit's cleaning voice, the convicting voice, I will fill you in ways you could never dream of. I can give you a love and a joy and a peace. Like, you could never imagine it. 
Church, we are living beneath the life that God wants to give you. The Holy Spirit will fill whatever space you give him. And our disobedience doesn't stop his pouring. It blocks our filling. But fresh obedience brings fresh power. Now listen, we all have to make this personal. I can teach the truth. Like, this is truth. It's who the Holy Spirit is. This is what he does. But you are going to have to make it personal. And it got very personal for me. I was a junior, senior in high school. I think it was the summer between. And I didn't see it. I didn't know it. I was in a tough spot with God. And my mom and dad were away for the weekend. And they went up to like a marriage retreat enrichment thing two, three hours away from the house. So I'm home alone as a junior. And my mom's sitting there. And the Holy Spirit just begins to put like a conviction that she needed to pray for me. And so she spent from the time the service was done, everyone left the, the sanctuary and she went up to the altar. This old church building thing. And she sat at the altar until 2.30 in the morning praying on my behalf. Oh God, I don't know what's going on in Jason's life. Holy Spirit, I need you to do things I can't do for him. In fact, before I finish this story, I want to pause because we're going to give you an opportunity here in a second. Just pray with me for a second. So Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome across the campuses. You're welcome in 12-stone home, in coffee houses, in tap rooms, in barns, in apartments. Holy Spirit, would you do what I can't do with words? I can't say enough things. I can't explain this enough. But Holy Spirit, in one moment, you can change everything. And any believer that is living beneath the life you've called them to, any believer that has unrepentant sin, any believer that's pushing your convicting, cleaning voice away, would you bring conviction to them right here, right now, in Jesus' name? So it's 2.30 in the morning, and my mom's at the altar, and she's praying. And in a moment, she went from this weight I got to pray for my boy. And it was like God just slipped a switch and said, all right, go to bed. I got it. And she got up from the altar, dried her tears, and went and slept like a baby. Several weeks later, we put the story together. 2.30 in the morning, I'm fast asleep in my bed. The Spirit of God wakes me up. I sit up in bed wide awake. I'm home alone. I'm going, what's going on? And it was like the Spirit of God just like opened my eyes, like for the first time, like I could see myself. Like I saw the sin, I saw the selfish. I can't explain it. I'm not like a super mystical dude, I'm very practical, but it was like God let me see my life 20, 30 years from now. And for the first time, I saw where my life was headed. I was gonna go be a lawyer, I was gonna go to Syracuse University, I had my plan, I was dating a girl. And we're going to just go do this thing in life. That's my direction. And, and the kindness of God, he woke me up at 2.30 in the morning. And it was like I saw for the first time. And I went out to my parents' formal living room where I'm not allowed. <laughs> and I went and laid on the pink carpet by myself. It wasn't my parents telling me how bad I was. It wasn't my parents disciplining me. It was the Spirit of God awakening me. 
And I laid there and poured out, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me for all the selfishness and the sin and the things I'm doing in private, God, forgive me. Would you clean this stuff up? And in that moment, I surrendered. And that moment's when he called me into ministry. In a moment, the spirit of God can change everything. But he only can fill what you surrender. And I look back in that moment and I say, oh God, if I would have resisted, what would my life look like right now? I think I could tell you because he gave me that picture some 20 years ago. I could see where my life was headed. I was going to be empty. If you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God is inviting you into a sacred moment. I had my moment 20 years ago. And hundreds of times since. But maybe the Holy Spirit wants to give us a moment right here, right now. Is there somewhere in your life where you're just keeping the Holy Spirit at arm's length? Is there a sin that you're just sitting in unrepentant and you're going, yes, God, you can have access to all this, but not this. Is there an addiction you think is too hard for him to break? So you just, you just stopped fighting it. You've given up on the battle inside you and you're just sort of going, well, this is my existence. When the Spirit of God offers you such a bigger life, he wants to clean you up so he can fill you up. So I asked Ansley to come out and sing the song from last week. And what we're going to do is this. Campus pastors, you can step up across the campus and you can pray with me. We're going to pray two prayers. I'm going to lead the first. CPs will lead the second. And as she sings... My prayer for you is, Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes? Like, would you do for everyone what you did for me? Like, would there be a light switch where we see any places in our life, God, where you're not first? Any places, God, where we're, we're living selfish and self-absorbed? Any place that there's unrepentant sin? Anything in our life that contradicts what your word says that we're living like? Oh, God, Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Not so that we can live condemned and shameful, but so that you can fill us. And so as Ansley sings, maybe you'll just whisper under your breath, Holy Spirit, my life's an open book. Anything that I'm doing that's not pleasing to you, Holy Spirit, make it known. I want the more you have for me, God. I'm tired of settling for less than I'm tired of my cup being half full. I want to give you access to all of it. So Ansley, lead us, and you just sit in this, and I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to invite you into this moment. Speak. 
Here's what I want to do. Here across our campuses, I'm going to invite you into a courageous sort of moment. I'm going to pray over you. Here's the, here's the question. Is there any place in your life where the Holy Spirit's saying, I want to clean that up? Listen, this is not necessarily you're, you're a murderer and a thief and a, you're in an adulteress. Like maybe he wants to clean that up, but maybe it's the small, subtle places where the Holy Spirit's just convicting, going, I want that. I want that little corner of your life. I'm not first there, and so I can't fill there. If there's some place in your life that you want to say before God, God, I feel your Holy Spirit's conviction and I'm bringing it to you and giving it to you. I repent. I repent of unrepentant sin. I repent of private places in my life. I repent any place you're not first. If that's you, I want you to stand. It might be one. It might be a thousand of you across the campuses here, across the campuses. If you're in a place saying, God, I want, I want to give you all of me. Some people standing and across the campuses, go ahead and stand up. CPs, you're seeing them. You're going to pray over them with me. This is not a shameful moment. This is a bold moment where you're saying, God, I want to give you all of me. Any place that he doesn't have, he can't fill. And God, I want the more you have to offer me. If you're at 12 Stone Home, maybe you're like, this is weird. That's okay. You can maybe put your hands out and say, God, I give you everything. So God, for all those that are standing and saying, Lord, I want to give you all of me. Holy Spirit, thank you for convicting. Thank you for helping us see the places where you're not first. Thank you for wanting to fill us. So God, as these people are literally saying, God, my whole life is yours. Would you meet them with quick forgiveness? God, anyone that's in a place where there's an addiction, they're going, God, I want to be broken from the chains of this addiction. Holy Spirit, in your kindness, would you break chains of addiction right now? Would you break the cycle of sin, shame, sin, shame, sin, shame? Would you break that in the name of Jesus? Holy Spirit, you have the power to do that. God, any places that we're just subtly putting ourselves first and you second, anywhere in our life, God, we're surrendering that to you. Oh God, would you meet them with forgiveness? And God, as you clean them, would you fill them? As you clean them, would you fill them? And would they experience the life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control? Would they be marked by that? In Jesus' name. So I'm going to have Ansley sing that one more time. You can be seated here and across the campuses. And then campus pastors, I want you to step up. And I want you to pray a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So stay attentive to him. And we'll pray over you here in a second. Would you lead us? You can sing this with me. If you know it by now, you can just whisper the words, but engage in this moment. Let this be your worship to him, your yes to him. And spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.